Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs a Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with our prodigal son. Um, or how do they say son in German? Also, son, eigentlich. It's a son. It's the same. Oh, okay. It's just with a, more of a Z sound. Got it. Well, uh, yeah. Ben Wirth is, is with us from Germany, and we were talking before the pod, and it has been over three years since we podcasted with Ben, although Ben's done many... Um, not not for a while, but for a while there, you were doing like a video every week, a vlog, if you will. Um, but it's good to talk to you. It's, it's been some time. The, the Cavs were recent champions the last time we talked, and and now it's, know, uh, right? that memory has faded. Indeed, it has. It's yeah, <laughs> a little I mean, bit further away from my consciousness than uh, it would be nice to have. Yeah. Yeah, I keep reading all these NBA previews and I feel as if the Cavs might be the most irrelevant team in the league, right? Um I I don't know. Uh can you think of a more relevant NBA team? I don't know if there is one. I mean, if less you're relevant, I guess. An argument? Yeah, if you're looking at an argument from me, I can't really give you a <laughs> solid one. I mean, if you look at the bottom of both both leagues, or uh, both uh, both conferences, I would say maybe you could argue OKC, just yeah. you know because they're they're treading water. But uh, I always find Minnesota to be irrelevant until they prove otherwise. But yeah, <laughs> Cleveland is not exactly the most exciting yeah. uh, team right now. Yeah, and and that being said, there there was some reason for optimism in the preseason, and um, Isaac Okoro was the the biggest reason for that, and and then we saw two. Well, we saw one stinker game against the Knicks and then another one where, you know, Tibbs decided to play starters against G Leaguers in the fourth quarter. And important, uh, important the, stuff. The, the expected results uh, bore themselves out. But I, yeah, I don't. Um, so, what's your impression of Isaac Okoro so far? Watch. I, uh, I love the guy. I mean, I don't think I'm, I'm uh, speaking out of school or turn whatever the phrase is for that. Uh, I think probably all of Cleveland is loving this kid right now. He's uh, he reminds me a little bit of Bobby Phils. I don't know how many of the Cavs fans go back that I, far. I remember that far, but I don't remember anything about his game. Yeah, Bobby Phils also a super strong two guard who could play some three when go back and forth. He was a defensive specialist for a lot of his career, but it had a really underrated offensive game. Um, solid, he was a, a strong, strong good, guy. He was a pretty good shooter. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, he was basically the prototypical 3 and D guy before 3 and D was talked about uh, all the time. Um, but he had a little bit more bounce uh, off the off the bounce uh, play making than, you know, obviously compared to Mark Price and, and Terrell Brandon, those guys, uh, the Cavs weren't asking for him to do quite as much. But he he really had a 
he was a fantastic player and especially uh, as a role player he was you know people you know the old tristan thompson starring a role thing uh he was you couldn't be a better bigger star in your role than than bobby phil's and uh Okoro has a lot of the same kind of uh, aspects especially considering his you know like all of us have been pleasantly surprised by how consistent his release has been in the preseason with his shooting yeah i i i think so um break down a shot a little bit because i thought the Cavs got or a lot of the fans got a little ahead of themselves when he went six for nine. I think uh, his lower body looks good. His left arm tends to fly out a little bit, but he doesn't seem to be bending out that right chicken wing nearly as much as he did. Um, Anything to add to that? I would say, yeah. When I was looking at his his video before the draft, his his misses almost always invariably came from bad lower body. a lot of guys misses come from the lower body, even if their their top doesn't look like a traditionally solid shot. I mean, you have guys from Sean Marion to, you know, whatever example of, of weird shot that goes in. You got Reggie Miller for that matter. Oh, it's a strange shot. The ball, you know? the ball brothers. Um, yeah, it's geez, that's a whole other story. But the um, with uh, with Isaac, I mean, he's he's looking pretty consistent, and his release uh, time is actually much faster than it was in college uh, from what I'm seeing. So that's uh, a pleasant development. I mean, contrast that to somebody like Patrick Williams, who's playing really well for the Bulls in preseason right now. Um, He looks just like Kawhi Leonard with his shot release to the point where I think he's probably modeled his shot after Kawhi Leonard, but it takes forever. Um, And Isaac is getting his shot off pretty quickly. So I think he clearly worked on his balance, his lower body. Um, I never really worry about elbows too much as long as it's consistent. And so and, far, and he seems consistent. it's not Michael Kidd Gilchrist? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's one thing. An elbow going out at least is physiologically normal. An elbow going in, I don't know how. <laughs> that poor guy. He never got that right. Hey, you, uh, you're cutting up, Ben. Hold on. Yeah, so with his consistent uh, action, it doesn't really bother me so much if it's not a textbook perfect and the thing that you know like you guys talked about in the last pod he's not trying to do too much he's not looking to do three four dribble move uh actions he's basically doing one or two dribbles and and getting on with it which is absolutely a sight for sore eyes for people who have been watching colin sexton and you know garland for the last couple years yeah one thing i really like is he seems to have the ability to drive either direction around his defender he had a really, and he seems to get most of his drives off, you know, over aggressive closeouts. And yeah. I like that he can cross over. I saw him do a really nice crossover to the left hand and get to the rack with that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not he's, sure. He's, sorry. He's, he's finishing through some contact that I, each time that he's finished through that contact, it's, I'm actively surprised that yeah. he's actually gotten finished. I mean, it's been, it's been impressive. Yeah, and I think his upper body is, I mean, there, it, it's already in the upper half of the league. Just by looking at him, you, I mean, the guy is just built like a Greek, like a, yeah. like a marble statue. I mean, he's just, he is very well yeah, developed. Yeah. He can tell he has the ability to put muscle on. He has shoulders like a linebacker. He, he reminds me of Marcus Smart a little bit in terms of his, just the development of his upper body. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, a part of the reason why I brought Phil's back to to my head from watching him is that both of them had obviously strong cores. Uh, you look at a lot of guys in the league and they have these huge shoulders, even people like Westbrook, these these giant shoulders. But they, if you look at their waists, they don't necessarily have uh, 
a lot of core. Um, and Okoro definitely has has some stability down there, which I think is allowing him to to finish off of either leg and through traffic. Yeah, that's actually one thing that's often overlooked about James Harden is how strong his core is and how that helps yeah. him finish through traffic and look like he's getting the benefit of the, or look like he's the one getting fouled instead of <laughs> do, initiating the contact. Yeah, it also helps him on the defensive end as he's uh, still an underrated post defender. I mean, they yeah. cut me the pot up a little bit on that over the last couple of years yeah. after initially overlooking it. But yeah, that dude is strong. Yeah, and and Delhi actually is a great uh, another guy that's whose strength is underrated and probably part of the reason he's stuck around in the league so long. So it, it's good to see that from him. I mean, obviously the Cavs have tried to get. Uh, Garland and Sexton into the weight room and get them putting on the weight a little bit. But <clears throat> as you said, part of the problem with them is they're very much two guys that I, I feel as if they've been asked to do a little too much. Um, yeah. And they're trying to do everything instead of one or two things. Well, and it's hard to ask a person that you're playing point guard not to do too much in the NBA because there's a lot to keep track of. Um and that was probably a mistake with Colin Sexton coming into the league, but um, it, it definitely—I don't know how much you can take from that Knicks game. The rumors have been coming out of camp that he's just trying to do a little too much, and you definitely saw that in that Knicks game. But he was so rusty. Uh, I'm not sure how much you can take away from that. And I think part of the issue is that it's really hard to get in an NBA rhythm when you don't play with other players for nine months. Um, it's just when you've locked yourself alone in a gym, uh, all you all you can do is shoot and practice. <laughs> and unfortunately, th- that's probably not to Colin Sexton's benefit. He is a guy that doesn't have natural vi- vision, really needs to play with other players to develop that part of his game. And it it's never impressed me and... I'm not sure what his role is going to be this year. I mean, that that is the the biggest point you made there in terms of what is his natural skill set. His natural skill set does not involve vision. He is <laughs> he is the opposite of like Nick Chubb for as a running back for the Browns, whose vision is his absolute strongest uh, trait. Same reason why Frank Gore is still in the league for a quick crossover. Uh, guys who see Frank Cup Gore is still see, in the league. He's still in the league. It's That's absurd, insane. right? How old is he now? Like thirty six. <laughs> 36 or 37, yeah. And this is a guy, remember, uh, he was injured in, uh, at Miami, and that's why Willis McGahee and all these guys who are long out of league, Clinton Portis, uh, took over his position because he was before those guys. In any I case, uh, sorry. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's, you know, hasn't put up big numbers, but he had a pretty good game last week. Uh, it was nice. In any case, uh, he, Colin, Colin is not a natural team player it's uh you know it's not because he doesn't want to be a team player he just doesn't see it he doesn't have the vision he doesn't have the the lateral uh, awareness um you know whether it's you know why humans have evolved to be able to play sports is just having to natural spacing and awareness whether we're yeah. hunting or whatever evolutionary principle gave us the ability to have spacing he doesn't have it <laughs> and it's the the biggest issue with his defense which is still absolutely atrocious uh, and was part of the reason why the Cavs were they bled. He, I know it was preseason, but he was he was awful. Uh, defensively. Yeah, I, I didn't watch people, him that closely. I'll admit. I mean, he he can't 
he cannot anticipate any action. I mean, it's almost amazing how he doesn't anticipate any action. And so he's getting backdoored and he's, he hustles. He works so hard, poor guy. Uh, but he doesn't anticipate the action. So he's always a half step behind. He got backdoored a couple times. He doesn't get over screens because he doesn't see him happening. Um, so in terms of his role, I think, you know, even my general take is if Austin Carr says something uh, on the broadcast, uh, clearly the coaches have been talking. I can't remember whether it was Austin um, or his teammate. I'm having a mental lapse of now that Fred's gone. Who's who's uh, the John Michael? John Michael, thank you. Uh, John was mentioning it too. He's basically saying that the the Cavs are talking about him, you know, not having to do quite as much as before, which uh, goes back to what you were saying before about the rumor of his effort. Um, he's going to have to get his brain into a different gear if it can work. I mean, if you looked at last season's. Uh, successful run that people keep pointing to about the reason why Sexton's going to have a good season. Uh, almost invariably it came off of curl action with, with Delhi feeding him on a curl action. Yeah. Or um, those, handoff. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was, he was getting the ball on the move toward the hoop uh, and either had to finish or maybe make a quick pass. And even a couple times he gnashed it, which was always a wonderful thing for me to see both when anytime that he or Garland uh, gnashes it, I throw a little party. Um, but his his success was not because he was pounding the ball and trying to create off the dribble, which he's really not very good at. Um, you know, Carr was talking about, oh, he can get by anybody whenever he can. He really can't. The only time that he gets by someone consistently, if they if they're leaning too far on his right, he does have a pretty good left handed drive for, uh, when he goes straight line left hand. Uh, anything beyond that, and it's it's pretty it's pretty slow working. Hey guys, um, I'm on the podcast. I'm way lower on Sexton than a lot of people. Certainly lower than than David is. Uh, I think that his best case scenario is a strong six man type player, uh, and a, I'm a not poor man's at- Lou Williams. Although that's that's kind of an insult to Lou Williams. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a huge insult to Lou Williams because Lou Williams is one of the greatest pick and roll players, uh, basically ever. I mean, that guy is a savant when it comes to manipulating a pick and roll, which we've seen Colin. Uh, <laughs> what, but, uh, but you know, that? Colin shoots. Pretty- Say again. I said, repeat that. We've seen Colin do, and then you cut out. Yeah, I see. We have not seen Colin uh, manipulate a pick and roll uh, with that kind of uh, expertise as yeah. somebody like Lou Williams. Yeah. Um, he's a guy. He honestly, the most he most resembles a guy like Derrick Rose post injury. Yeah. You I mean, know that's who, the kind of who Sexton reminds me of a little bit is uh, Robert Pack. Huh, Robert Pack. I liked Robert Pack a little bit more than I like Sexton. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, another guy, straight line drive, not a yeah. lot of lateral movement on either end of the court, you know. Um, and, and Colin's best move where he gets some varieties when he changes speeds because he can use yeah. his burst a little bit uh, because he isn't very shifty at changing direction, but he can use his burst to get his, his defender off their heels a little bit. And that helps him in transition. Um, but he, but Robert Pack was a more explosive player around the basket. Um, and and I do yeah. feel like Sexton has improved around the basket quite a bit. Um, he's finishing through contact a little better. He he's better at not taking off, you know, three feet before he should take off. But he is great at that, and I believe. At least through much of last season, he was leading the league in uh, blocks against. Um, 
<laughs> and now I feel like uh, Darius Garland's going to inherit that role because he very much jumps into much bigger players' bodies and then just throws the ball up and, you know, kind of not realizing, hey, those those arms go up another three feet and <laughs> and you're not going to get that shot off. Um, hey man, this, this is I think one of our one of our slight uh, disagreements. Usually we're on the same page with a lot of this stuff, but I I feel like I'm a lot higher on Darius than you are. Tell me tell me the primary reason why you don't see as much hope. So my as primary issue with Garland Darius. is he does not seem a, he does not seem to possess the requisite NBA athleticism. Um, he's not very explosive around the basket. He's he's more tricky around the basket uh, he does have a good change of direction um but my biggest problem with garland is all the things he does well or is supposed to do well he's not that good at like shooting um and and you can see the rotation and you can see um you know the mechanics of the jump shot look really good it just doesn't go in and i don't know if that's a confidence thing um I think part of it is he's still trying to figure it out. The game is not slowed down for him. And I'm sure for all these guys, the hiatus has, especially for a young player like that, it was just trying to starting to figure it out. Not helpful at all. Um, but the only part of his game that seems to be any good to me, like that is a plus is his floater game. Um, but I also feel like he shoots a lot of flat footed flat-footed floaters <laughs> uh, for, for some consonants there. But he just doesn't strike me as a guy that has a an NBA skill that he can rely on. Um, and to David's point, he does keep the ball a little high when he dribbles. He has some decent vision, but and maybe it's just a playing time and experience thing, but I don't... I just don't think he's good at anything. And that that's... He's one of those guys you look down at a box score and you're like, boy, he didn't really have much effect on the game. He can disappear a little. Uh, he seems to have to dominate the ball to be effective. Um, although the the best play I thought against the Knicks uh, in the penultimate game was when uh, Andre Drummond lasered that pass to the right wing, and he he was in the right spot and just delivered that. Yeah. And I I think that's the kind of player he's going to need to be. I still think the Cavs probably need a bigger primary playmaker. Um, and Garland probably has the ability to be that secondary playmaker more than Sexton. But, yeah, it, it's going to be um, – it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I don't – I want Darius Garland to be good. I just don't ever see him – and when I see him – when I say this, I don't mean in the future. I just – I haven't seen him do anything so far that is especially good consistently. And that's my issue with him. And at least Colin Sexton at times can score in bunches. And you know, catch catch a defense napping and and gets in a rhythm, but uh, he he has a long way to go as well. But I don't think I I think you know what did I say? If Colin Sex or if uh, Darius Garland becomes a below average player, uh, that'll be a huge improvement from what he is now. And and I think if Colin Sexton becomes an average player, that that might be his his ceiling, and and hopefully that's a you know a good goal for him to aspire to. But I definitely don't want to see the Cavs overcommit to either of those guys early. So, I don't know. I, I just went on a long diatribe, so <laughs> feel free to cut me off. So, I, I keep yeah, so you I get, trying to jump in there. 
<laughs> a couple things that I'll say. So, so the part of the reasons why I'm I'm more bullish on Garland than than you are, I I have seen more of a of a rhythm to his game throughout this preseason, and you know, in stretches last year. But there's a there's a geometry. Like I was talking that what Colin doesn't have, I do think that Darius has a good understanding of floor geometry. That that is one of his talents. Um, so far, his athleticism or his child body has not really allowed him to take advantage of it as well as he as he hopefully could in the future. Yeah. I think that he, though he's not as as outwardly skinny as somebody like Trey Young, I think that he is probably even earlier in his physical development, uh, just purely from maturation uh, standpoint, than somebody like Trey Young, who looks more like a man who just happens to be a skinny guy. I think uh, Garland is basically still a child and has already gotten a little bit more adult. And he seems to... He seems to play with a, a little bit of an I'm too cool for school vibe sometimes, which isn't always a bad thing. But right now it, it translates into him being weak and also not really playing with force because he's he's kind of has that laid back uh, feel. The, but the, the Kyrie feel. Yeah. yeah, he's got me without Kyrie's, you know, absurd. <laughs> Everything. <handle. laughs> yeah. So the thing the thing that I do see though that that he is bending defenses a lot more uh and that floater is such a weapon now you know Carr says things oh he's got the best floater in the league but you know he's Austin fine that's absurd of course <laughs> but he's got a really good floater he, he does have... I will give him that yeah. absolutely yeah. and he does a really nice job of of getting a dead ball up there that absolutely. doesn't have too much spin and and drops in a lot sorry keep going yeah, and if and if you're a guy who's not going to get all the way to the rim, and defenses, most defenses give that floater on a regular basis, so it is hugely important to have it. Um, his outside shooting, you know, yeah, last year wasn't very good, but it is such a nice ball, and I think that yeah. it has has a chance to really turn a corner quickly, much in the same way that somebody like Bradley Beal, if you look at early. I was just going to say Bradley yeah. Beal, yeah. Yeah, you looked early in his career. He didn't have incredible, uh, incredible numbers, but you looked at that release and you're like, "This has got to be better." And then, of yeah. course, through time, it was. Um, yeah, um, I'm going sorry, to go get. Ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say I do think he's going to get stronger. I think he already has gotten stronger. I think defensively, he actually has more potential than Colin because he sees the sees some of the action and has been doing a better job in preseason of getting uh, around screens. He actually sees him coming. He's squirting through. He's not allowing himself just to get screened without uh, a fight, uh, and he anticipates it. And he plays with a little bit of a joy that I like, but that's that's a different thing. I yeah. Again, he was totally and utterly terrible last year, and Sexton was pretty bad. <laughs> I still have the two of them going forward. I think the ceiling for Garland is both higher, and the, the floor is both lower than Sexton. And I think Sexton is going to be a below average player throughout his whole career that has decent scoring numbers and people who don't watch basketball or don't really watch his defense are going to be confused yeah. into thinking that he's a good player. Um, I, I just, his defense, he makes Clarkson look like a good defender. So <laughs> it's until that stuff gets picked up, I don't want to see him in a starter, which brings us to yeah. a little bit of the, the thing that I don't quite understand why it is that there's a fight for the three. Uh, no. When and, the, and yeah. Yeah. I would I would let Okoro start at the two or like have KPJ if he's actually going to be around at some point. Uh, start Jetty at the three and and let Garland take over at the one without having to do everything because he's got real starters with him. Yeah. Well, and I think the other issue 
it, it's going to be very interesting because we haven't heard a starting lineup so far. And, and I've been saying, you know, for years and it, you, you're probably not actively following the thread or the uh, comments, but Chetty is a three is a big two that can play three. He's, I think the more we've seen Chetty over the last two or three years, we realize Chetty doesn't play well when he plays up a position. You know, yeah. when he plays at the four, he gets manhandled a little. But when he's able to play against twos and he doesn't have to ball handle too much, um, because he's a he's got decent instincts in the pick and roll, and he's got uh, good uh, positional instincts and good vision. But his his handle is is a little sloppy at times. Um, and a little too upright, but he's much better at the two, especially in a, in a catch and shoot. And he's good enough shooter that he can come off screens now. That's, that's his best role. And he's a, he's a better defender, uh, you know, guarding two threes and even some ones than he is guarding, you know, bigger threes and fours. Totally and that agree. to me is the lineup that's optimal for winning for the Cavs. And I think. That's probably the issue that J.B. Bickerstaff is navigating right now because, you know, for the future of the franchise, I'm sure that Kobe Altman wants Colin Sexton to continue to start. Um, for one thing, it's a low-key way to tank. <laughs> and, yeah, and this coming draft is probably the best draft since 2003. Um, or at least since the Anthony Davis draft in terms of, you know, potential at the top of the draft board. Um, and that's a big deal for the Cavs. But I think the veterans can't watch how Chetty played in his first two games and think that guy should be coming off the bench. Um, Absolutely. I, I think you're going to have a revolt from Kevin Love and, and Andre Drummond and Larry Nance if that happens. And you also have a thing, like you just said, like his, his ability to guard the two or the three and occasionally the one. Uh, I mean, he was guarding almost the very, uh, only ones in his first extended time when LeBron was still here. Right. Uh, the thing that is so beneficial by having Isaac Okoro next to him is that depending on the player that is across from, you know, they can switch that two or three matchup oh, all the time. Yeah. And that to me is, is a, an automatic way to also, you know, pre- prevent excuse me, to prevent Garland from getting too toasted out there. Uh, if somebody's, you know, a big one who's, who's going to otherwise put him in the, in the weight room, they can put one of those two guys on him. Yeah. Uh, you can't, put, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. You can't have Sexton and Garland both out there and expect to have any kind of success. It is also leaving poor Andre Drummond out to dry, who I yeah. am, uh, I think also much higher on than a lot of people that guy hasn't played with any real guards his whole career. And, you know, unfortunately he's not going to play with a real guard this year either. Um, but you know, it's asking not on the Cavs anyway. Yeah, it's not, it's not exactly, it's not, it's not, uh, doing him any favors if he's trying to protect, uh, everything from two, two guards who are smaller than I am. Yeah. I mean, you've seen the Cavs go zone a lot in the preseason. And part of that is they're playing the Knicks who were, uh, not a very good shooting team last night or last season, and then of course you saw in the last two games at the end of them the Cavs, the Knicks just completely destroy the zone. Kevin Knox looks like a completely different player, like a professional zone buster now. Um, yeah, I think he made what twenty seven threes in two games, <laughs> something like that. I mean, he was he was awesome, uh, at least from a shooting standpoint, and 
Um, the Cavs are better, have some good shooting, have good shooters, but not necessarily good shooting. So what, what do you think of that Cavs zone and can they be effective with it, even though Sexton and Garland are so small at times when they share the floor? Yeah, I mean, now here's, here's a question. Are we going to try to win or are we going to try to tank like you said? You know, <laughs> Yeah, that's a real question. It doesn't really matter because they're trying to tank. And so whatever defensive scheme yeah. is going out there, it's going to be moot. If they're actually trying to win, I think they actually have a pretty good shot of trying to win, which is part of the reason why I initially before preseason, I had him finishing 9 or 10 in the, in the blog that we put. And now I have him finishing much lower with all of this talk about battle for the three. If they would punt on the Sexton Garland backcourt and either have uh, Porter Jr. in there or J.D. and Okoro in there with uh, Love and Drummond up front and then bringing in Nance with, you know, at the three uh, and also playing the four and then occasionally some five, but I think mostly three and four for Nance this season. You can run that zone and have a pretty solid defense. And if you, you know, with the hands Mm -hmm. with Larry Nance and Andre Drummond and the the positional smarts of Jetty and, and Love, and somebody like Okoro, who's, who seems to be able to do it all once he's as he lets uh, more of the playbook in his brain and the NBA speed, mm-hmm. that actually is a pretty good set of defenders. I mean, those you know, you Nance and Drummond are both supreme handsy and uh, you defenders. Have a ton of rebounding in those lineups. Absolutely. So, I mean, the thing that people overlook with Drummond, too, is that Drummond is almost always near the top of the league in steals. That guy is is an old school, like, Elijah Wan type. And obviously, I don't think he's as good as Elijah Wan was, but he has that, that uh, block-steal combo game, just having absurdly quick hands. And uh, he gets overlooked. You know, there were three or four seasons that he led uh, in defensive rating for for uh, the whole league. I mean, this is a real top-flight defender who is... Uh, just, I think, honestly, without Joel Embiid, he, his, his reputation is a different, uh, totally different reputation. So that zone, what I've liked about it, uh, especially when it, that first game, which I thought was the best game by the Cavs, to be honest, uh, and also, coincidentally, the game that started Garland, uh, Jetty, Okoro, Love, and Drummond. Yeah, and that defense worked really well. The, the announcers didn't even mention the zone, but that zone was, was lights out in that game. Um, and I think you know, when Larry comes in, he can do, he can fill any kind of gap and, uh, it's the way to go. And as far as hiding the, the bigger players is, uh, I think it's actually a little bit harder sometimes to hide two small players in a zone than it is in man, uh, yeah. with switch schemes and all that stuff. And so well, like, because they're, they're literally yeah. at the, the point of attack. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, also they were, they were doing an inverted, uh, zone a lot, putting the small guys at the, at the near the hoop. Um, and if they do that with guys like with, with Garland and Sexton, it's going to be rough. Now, if you switch yeah. that and you, and you have a Coro and, and, and Porter down there and Porter is also a pretty solid defender. It has potential to be quite a good defender. And Exum as well. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'd like Exum too. Like I, I overlook Exum a lot because I would prefer Delhi plays, but that play, but that is probably more just because I'm a nostalgic for my man. You're Delhi Stan like me. <laughs> All the way, man. All yeah. the way. I love the kid. Um, and he, but Exum, you know, he's been studying with, with Delhi his whole career, and I think he, he seems to be tougher. If he can stay healthy, that kid, you know, he's got a lot of talent. Yeah. He obviously is never going to be the shooter that people want him to be, and he's never going to be the just as, as as explosive as people probably thought he was coming in. Yeah, um, I think injuries but, have robbed him of a lot of that explosiveness. I've often said that, you know, what is he, 26? 
and yeah. he plays like he's 32, uh, which is yeah. good and bad. <laughs> There's no reason why he can't do a rough facsimile of what Sean Livingston did. Uh, yeah, now, he's he's never... and actually he's stronger than Livingston. Yeah, he's never going to have Livingston's uh, turnaround jump shot, which was wildly underrated, and Livingston's bounce. Because even when post-injury, Livingston yeah. still had great footed bounce. Uh, but a lot of the stuff that he does on defense, you know, he can he can do do some of that stuff, and he's stronger than he used to be. So that's that's definitely beneficial. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so if you guys are you know if you were if we're ready to see a team that's trying to win, they got the guys to do it. They just cannot play Garden Sex together all the time, and I just don't I don't see how they're going to uh, punt on that. They just don't seem to to want to. Yeah, and I and I, it's 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 I tweeted today that the. Um, well, what did I say? I said the fact that pro sports have have conned fans into rooting for losing is one of the most bizarre developments of the 20. And, um, you know, because they were saying that, you know, why are the Jets trying to win in a football game the other day? It's like the entire way that drafts are set up anymore to, you know, encourage losing is is kind of antithetical to a compelling sports product. And and we're seeing that with the Cavs. I mean, I don't know. I, you can say it's bad decision making, but I think it's it's you know purposely bad at this point. I I don't know how you can keep trotting out the same lineup and and think it's going to get better. And I I think there probably is a big internal discussion with the Cavs right now. And um, the question will be: Can they, if they go with that backcourt, can they get Love and Drummond, who share an agent? And Larry Nance, um, and Dante Exum, and oh, who's the other vet? JaVale McGee, which is hilarious to think that JaVale McGee is the seasoned vet on this team. But if they can get those guys to buy in, I, I have a hard time thinking they're going to buy in for long with those two starting. Because uh, especially guys yeah. like Drummond, who's in a contract year, um, McGee as well, um, Kevin Love, who seems to be in NBA exile in Cleveland and now has a contract they can't trade. Um, I'm sure he would love well, to he's also show as well. Yeah. I mean, he's shown the various times that he absolutely detests playing with Colin Sexton. I mean, that is not, there's been <laughs> yeah. moments on the court where he is just, he's it, yeah. Well, every last book of self-control he has from wringing the kid's neck. Well, and you and saw that from nobody. Um, blinders. Yeah. You saw that from, uh, Tristan Thompson last year too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so for the skill set and the and the want, the, he has such passion. I really appreciate what he brings in terms of his energy and his desire to be good. But there comes a point where part of that is okay. Am I a team player or am I just talking about being a team player? And he really is a two guard. He's not a one, and he should be an off the bench two guard. Yeah, I just it doesn't seem to be so complicated to me. He's an off the bench two guard. There are a lot of great off the bench two guards in this league who have wonderful careers and who score the ball, uh, and then maybe develop into a better player with time. I mean, look at somebody like Will Barton, who did not start as a particularly great defender. He's really developed his defensive skill set, yeah. uh, and he's now you know back and forth between a starter and a bench player for a very very good team. Uh, I don't think that Sexton's ever going to reach that height because he doesn't have the size. But yeah. there is you, the you look like at a guy like the, CJ McCollum, uh, not CJ McCollum. Uh, who's with the Jazz now? That was a Kev that you just mentioned earlier. Yeah, 
Uh, Clarkson. Yeah. I mean, he looks like a guy like Jordan Clarkson who's made himself a serviceable NBA player off the bench. That, that. With the Jazz. Literally a good player with the Jazz last year. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, and getting a role that is sustainable is part of what NBA development is. You know, and I think the Cavs probably made a mistake or have made mistakes in the way they've developed these guys because they haven't really had a plan with Sexton. They started him out. He was supposed to be a one. Then they drafted Garland. And now, you know, what? what is the plan with Colin Sexton? I don't know if they're giving him a vision that is sustainable going forward. And it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I mean, to be fair, I'm absolutely of the philosophy. You take the best talent. You don't care yeah. about fit if you're not a good so it's it's not important to me that they took two small guys in a row. That doesn't bother me as much as once you have the small guys, what are you going to do with them? Right. And I think they they for whatever uh, you know maybe they shouldn't have drafted Garland or maybe they should have or whatever. They absolutely <laughs> lucked out with Porter. I mean Porter is a, is a supreme talent, and I hopefully yeah. he's he's back uh, now that this stuff was dropped and he's ready to to yeah. You get were going. talking about that a um, little bit on the email thread today. Um, of kind of your take on that situation, and I haven't followed it that closely. Um, did you want to repeat that? What or? I, yeah, there are two different uh, uh, two different situations, and one I think was in August, and the other one was maybe a month earlier. I'm not sure exactly the timeline. I don't have it in front of me, but one was the 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 weapons charge that got dropped uh, because uh, apparently it was reported that his uh, his it was his mother's weapon and she had driven the car the day before and all of the serial numbers matched up and everything was on the up and up with the weapon and she basically testified that she had left it in the car and forgot to tell him uh and i'm sure there are a whole bunch of people out there who won't believe that and will consider him a bad guy just because of this why you have guns or whatever and it's interesting because a lot of those same people who are saying why does he have guns <laughs> also nuts so anyway so moving on from that uh the other aspect of it or the other uh incident was something with a security guard and some uh, Cleveland police, I think at a hotel or something. And he was with uh, a girl and there was some kind of scuffle. And from his side, he said that he was uh, uh, basically attacked or uh, assaulted somehow from the police. Uh, the police were also saying that he was riled up. No files were charged uh, either way. His mom also came onto the scene uh, with his the girl that he, I guess I'm assuming his girlfriend or somebody like that, um, were trying to calm him down. And to be honest, there's a video of it. And the video is very clear that, especially in 2020, uh, it's the kind of thing that if Kevin Porter Jr. were not an NBA player, it probably would have ended differently. And so I think it is good that everybody acted with restraint. And hopefully uh, going forward, you don't have to be an NBA player in order to have restraint involved from everybody involved. Uh, I do think that he also understood who he was and was not going to be taken advantage in a way that somebody who doesn't have his stature uh, would be able to You're perform or act. security guards in this situation. Yeah, I mean, because you yeah. see, you see Porter, and Porter is—he's not saying, "Oh, yes, okay, blah blah blah." I mean, the guy—he is—he is absolutely unhappy, and he is—he's not fighting, but he is uh, certainly not being demure. Yeah, and it's a situation that if he weren't who he is, he probably would not have the the luxury of being able to, or as we should say, the privilege of mm -hmm. actually saying what people should be able yeah. to say. And, and similarly, um, would he been able to get? his weapons charge dropped um, that that's, that's a different situation, but clearly the prosecutor did not want to deal with that. Yeah. 
if he was a kid going to private school and his daddy was the one who left it in and he was on his way to Harvard, yeah, he would have had his, his uh, weapons dropped off as well. So <laughs> there you go. So uh, I think it is important to to point out that this kid, as a teammate and as considering his background, and everybody has to consider everything, he's been, you know, maybe Thompson changes, but as far as what I've seen from him, he has been a, a good dude who's done a lot of good stuff, and I, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, me um, too. Um, the other incident that happened over the I, I shouldn't say summer, <laughs> the long off season, um, or the 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 hiatus, yeah. I guess, um, was the, you know, tweet where I don't know if it was I guess it was an Instagram post about uh, that intimated he may be considering some self harm, and I think the team was a little concerned there. So I think they're being probably rightly cautious with him to make sure his head's in the right spot and. You know, I can't judge what's going on with him personally, but I, I certainly want to see more of him. I certainly, like you think, you know, from an NBA body perspective and overall game, he has more upside than Colin Sexton. I'll, I'll say that. And I, I just hope he gets it figured out. Yeah, I mean, to me, he's the second biggest talent coming up and maybe even the first compared to Okoro. I mean, the, the kid is supremely talented. Yeah, uh, his, I, I will his... say Okoro probably has a higher floor. And he probably yeah. and uh, KPJ has a higher ceiling. Yeah, and you know another thing that's going to help the season for everybody is that they're not going to be testing for for marijuana, and I think that <laughs> is long overdue. And some of those things he's going to you know choke a lot of these guys out, both quite literally because of marijuana and also because of not having to worry about being tested for for such nonsense. Yeah. Um, so it would be interesting that's... to <laughs> J.R. Smith. Um, Ten years too late for Jr. and Captain Jack. So, yeah, you know, you, you paved the way. Thanks, Jr. Jr. and uh, who was um, Stephen Jackson? <laughs> yeah, Stephen Jackson also. You want him on your team? Oh yeah, absolutely. And like, he's his podcast is is pretty darn funny actually. Um, but yeah, he's a legendary NBA smoker. So. And and I love yeah. the story about Pop telling him he you can't smoke during the season. Just I don't care what you do, just don't smoke during the season and try not to fail a drug test. Basically, yeah. yeah. So I, we should see. We should see. I mean, you know, there was all the reports from the bubble that it helped a lot of the guys that they didn't have to worry about that stuff too. Yeah. So you know, we'll see. Yeah, um, I, I will say. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Do you have something you wanted to say? I'm just going to finish your point because I was going to move on to something else. Oh, okay. So I was going to say, you know, we were talking about pretty jump shots earlier, and I I don't know if I've seen a prettier left-handed jump shot than that one that Dylan Windler drained from the right corner the other day. That guy, I know they weren't going in, but that guy has got a really nice jump shot. And when they do start going in, I think they're, like you said about Garland, they're going to go in in a hurry and... I've been super impressed with Dylan Windler's overall intelligence, NBA game, um, you know, just ability to do the little. He seems very, very skilled, um, and I'm excited to see what he can bring to a bench role for the Cavs. So what are your thoughts on Dylan Windler? So basically apply all of your optimism for for Windler to Garland because they have exactly the same issues. They have, they have, they're different kinds of players. They have different stuff, but they have pretty jump shots that sometimes don't hit anything. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. 
because it's whether it's they're a little bit off balance, they're a little weak, they're not quite 100% confident. Uh, I think Windler has a chance to be really good. He might be one of those guys that uh, if he doesn't catch on immediately, he goes someplace, he, even Europe or something, comes back and all of a sudden he's great because he found his confidence. I hope he doesn't have to do that and that he actually gets there pretty early because that first preseason game, the dude was scared out of his mind. Yeah, uh, and he and still played well. That's what I loved about it. Yeah, he has a good floor game. He's got he's got great size. He he rebounds well for his position. Um, so I, I think he's got he's got a chance. I don't think he's going to play a lot, and I don't think he necessarily should play a lot. But if he shoots as his as pretty as his J is in practice, he's going to earn some time if he can actually have it translate to the game. Yeah. Um, I, I have I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about him, but he's also the kind of player that I don't get super excited about until you do see a couple, you know, four out of six explosion games from deep yeah you think part of what his issue might be that the game is too big for him like he just is in his own head a little too much i mean mentally you looked at him he was scared so hopefully that goes away and sometimes you just have to do it one or two times i know i've had different times i've been on stage for a moment i'm i'm scared (laughs) it's like wait a minute what i've done this for a long time uh stop it and then you, you get over it but uh he was he was already better uh and like you said he was contributing in different ways but for a guy who's got uh that smooth of a stroke to to miss is just terribly as oh yeah <laughs> danger low just, flying planes <laughs> yeah 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 somebody was gonna get hurt out there so it's uh we'll we'll see but it, it's it's i would apply the same like i said like i, I think the the optimism for that kind of shot and that kind of rotation and that stuff. It's, it, it takes a couple seasons before I lose faith in that kind of J and it'll take a yeah. while for me to lose faith in those J or, and for Garland's. Yeah. Good to, good to hear. Uh, speaking of other guys with uh, solid J's, uh, Damian Dotson looked really good in the first preseason game. And then I felt like as the preseason went on, kept trying to do a little too much and, you know, his propensity to fire up a 28-footer um, with somebody in his face is a little maddening at times. But he he definitely has that bench scorer's mentality, um, and <laughs> for good or ill. But uh, I don't know if he's going to play a ton. I, I kind of hope he doesn't, but... I'd hope not, yeah. I, I think he is a, a super, super poor man's Bobby Jackson. Uh <laughs> I like his his chutzpah. Uh I think he he tries and he you know again I was surprised this uh, like you guys talked about the last one yeah some of those shots I'm like what are you oh that went down huh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, exactly no 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 yeah <laughs> yeah so good for him and if he earns if he earns playing time by continually making his shots those uh, if you make a bunch of absurd shots after a while people are like hey well you make the shots great uh, <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, you, I, I don't have a lot the of best bench guard in, in Utah. Yeah, exactly. I think part of the thing that's working against him is that he looks like a street baller. And I think even nowadays people have a, a if you look at some way, the way he moves, the way his body moves, I mean, you, you could be at any park. He does not move like we're designed to see NBA players move. He doesn't do the, the, uh, the Euro step footwork. He doesn't have that kind of, I mean, he is getting buckets. Like he probably got buckets when he was 10 years old. Um, and that's one, on one hand, I think that's great. I mean, like if you, if you have natural footwork that gets you open and you can, you can knock it down, then great. Uh, but he is not a polished looking player. Uh, 
and that I think is going to hurt him uh, more than it should, considering his output. Yeah. Yeah, I think at this point, he's a bench guard that will probably play when guys get hurt. He'll get more minutes, but I I would be surprised if he ever got more than, you know, 12 minutes a game for the Cavs this this season. Yeah. Um, and, and let me be clear. Let me be clear. I honestly think that he is only a tick probably worse than Colin Sexton this moment. And I'll, maybe I'll, even I'm better. With you. That's, yeah. And so uh, this is what I think a lot of Cavs fans need to get kind of their head wrapped around, that, that Sexton is not who they build him to be. And it was the same way that, you know, Kyrie, when, when LeBron left the first time and he was the person who got handed the keys, at least Kyrie had an absurd amount of talent and skill, and he was still not what they were acting yeah. like he was. And yeah. Sexton, the same thing, and LeBron leaves, and all of a sudden this kid's going to be the savior. And it's like, no, he's a good young player with potential, or he is an average young player with potential, but, you know, you, you give him a shot. Uh, and so, you know, the same thing with Dotson. You know, Dotson doesn't have nearly the baggage. He might be able to play free and easy to actually make him be more productive. Yeah, I, I it'll be interesting. Um, another guy on the Cavs that I was a little surprised the Cavs added him because I wanted to see him add him. Um, but I think in five games or four games in the preseason, we've seen the complete spectrum on Thon Maker. Um, <laughs> just yeah. you know, after a phenomenal first game uh, where he was you know controlling the action on offense and defense. We've seen him revert back into the player that got cut from Milwaukee and just he doesn't seem like he has a consistent motor. And if you're that guy and if that's your role to come in and be a defensive specialist and, you know, and you have that kind of size, you have to have a motor every game. And if you're only seeing it one out of every four games, that's how you get dumped from the league. I mean, and and the crazy thing is. Um, you look at a guy like, well, I keep pausing, sorry. But you look like a guy at, like Rondi Hollis Jefferson who just got cut from Toronto who has that kind of motor and plays like that. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt because he doesn't have the body that Thon Maker has. And if he did, he'd still, you know, be on a team right now. Yeah, I mean, also the, the touch, I mean, the thing about Maker is that in practice, the kid can shoot. Yeah. So. That is a big thing for for Andre Jefferson. I like I I love me some some run Alice Jefferson. I think he's a he's a really solid player to have at the back end of your bench, uh, and that you can in some matches uh, matchups depending on who you have on your own side uh, can really help you. I mean, if you have enough shooters out there with him, uh, he's yeah. a really nice player to have. Uh, I think with Maker, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy or Maque, or I guess you're supposed to say him, but nobody ever does. Oh. He nobody. I think he's a lot more reliant on having decent players around him. I think he actually is a quintessential role player that when you put him around some other guys who play basketball with their brains, uh, he looks pretty good. Um, I think when he's playing with a guy, a bunch of guys who are, are playing with their eyes closed or trying to get their own because they're afraid that they're going to miss a, you know, get cut from the team like he was the last couple of games, he's not going to look as good. So, you know, playing with Mooney, playing with guys who are clearly going <laughs> to out of there. Uh, I don't think there's much to be given. Now, that being said, uh, you know, a great player who's going to dominate is going to dominate with it, regardless of, you know, he's just, he's not a great player. He's not going to dominate, but I think no. he is, he is a, 
talented guy. I'd rather have him stick around than JaVale, not because he's anywhere near the player that JaVale is, but just because JaVale is probably going to want to do other things than play in uh, Cleveland, depending uh, with this contract situation. Um, and he's not going to get really that many minutes with with Nance and Drummond and Love mm-hmm. that he probably could get elsewhere. Um, and, you know, he's also getting pretty old there. It's amazing how surprised he's in his 13th season. I could not believe that when I read that the other day or when they mentioned it on the uh, broadcast. I was like, man, that makes that just makes me feel old. <laughs> you know, he's also a guy that for all the Shaq and the Fool stuff, that guy has played really professional, smart basketball for years. And he makes some boneheaded plays once every like week, maybe that looks so that looks so ridiculous that he gets on that show. Uh, but he's actually a really solid positional defender. Well, he uses his clearly he coachable. Because you don't yeah. stick on L.A. or Golden State and get rotation minutes in critical games if you're not a coachable player, you know. Yeah. He's up, he's cheering his teammates and stuff. So, you know, if JaVale ends up hanging around, I, I'm not going to well, be against him. I just don't want <laughs> yeah. I, I would hope that that Thon still gets some minutes over him. I think there's also the relationship that Drummond and, and Maker have from their time together in uh, in Detroit. Well, might and, help. and um, Maker and Delhi and uh, Exum all playing for the exactly. Australian team. I enjoyed there was, uh, there was like two minutes or so, maybe I think in the first or second game that yeah. they were all out there together. I was but like, they have look at that. national That's team camaraderie as well. So Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, I, 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 I dig the fact that there's three Aussies on uh, on Cleveland. You know, so speaking, I, I, do you want to go through a little bit of some some the the conferences and yeah some, yeah let's uh, some produ- so yeah I mean we we went through the Cavs a little bit. The only thing I'll I'll you know give me your thirty second take on Dean Wade and whether he's going to really contribute anything or whether he's just kind of like a long shot end of the bench guy. I think there's nothing that Dean Wade gives that the Cavs desperately need to give him up, get him out there unless, unless Kevin Love gets injured or yeah. traded or something like that. I just don't think there's a place for him because he, he is, uh, he's basically Kevin Love light, 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 light. And, yeah. uh, he's doing, he's working hard. He's got some nice, but you know, a little bit more bounce than people think. Um, and I'm sure for the guy, I think there's a chance that he can, uh, get some decent minutes in an NBA squad. I don't think he's, he's just a G leaguer, but considering what the Cavs have up there, I don't think it's going to fly. Minute-wise. There you go. So, uh, you know, going through the league a little bit, I think uh, we talked about, you know, doing some predictions. Do you want to just go through? So how many playoff spots are there this year? In There's 10, right? Yeah, I think well, there's 10, and then you have the play-in games. Yeah, there's uh, play-ins for the 7th and 8th seed, basically. Right. And so do you want to just go through your your top 10 in each conference or how do you want to do this sure. okay so sure I'll, I'll, I'll do that. i'm sorry good. yeah that sounds good man um so let's start out west um where last season you know phoenix had a really good bubble um went undefeated in the bubble and still didn't kind of make the play in uh who do you got in the 10 spot for the west you know, funnily enough, I actually have Phoenix exactly in the 10 spot. Okay. And, and that's probably a lot lower than a lot of people have them off the, you know, without looking at the numbers. But uh, it's going to be difficult to be much higher than that if you look at all the teams. Yeah, no, I mean, the West is just absolutely stacked. 
Um, it's, I, I mean, the worst team in the West last year was the Golden State Warriors, who are going to be a playoff team as long as everybody stays healthy. Yeah, I don't have them in the playoffs. No, really? So where do you have them? Yeah, this is a funny thing, because there's some, a lot of people who have, I have them directly above uh, Phoenix. So, you know, they might get the playoff or the play, the play in, but I don't have them actually making the playoffs. Now, of course, you could argue that if they're in the play in, then a team with Steph Curry is going to probably make the playoffs because he's, you know, can, can go off fuego. Uh, but if you look at those at that top, so here are my, my locks. I have Lakers, Denver, Utah, Dallas, Portland, Clippers are my locks. And that's so my that's six only teams right there, right? argument with you is Portland. I could see Portland falling out, and mainly because they're terrible defenders, and secondly because they're one big injury away. Like if any of their big three gets hurt, they're they're falling out of the playoffs. So that 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 would be my only that's argument fair. with you there. That's fair, except for Robert Covington is the player that they've been looking for for five years. Oh, that that that's and also true, so, and that's a fair assessment. I forgot about Robert yeah. Covington. You put you put Lillard, CJ, Covington, Nurk, and if they can get anything out of uh, 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 what's his name? I'm having a mental lapse here. The 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 tall kid who's who's quite good. Who was injured <laughs> last year? Side? Uh, yeah. No, no, no. The the Ford for I'm having Zach. Uh, oh, Zach, Zach Collins. Just, thank you. Um, you know he's he's supposed to be have a have a shot. But even if you don't get much out of him, uh, the fact that Covington provides the kind of wing defense that they've been looking for. And Gary Trent Jr., who I was super high on this rookie year, and he kind of people were sleeping on him, and then he showed what he was about in the bubble. So you got Trent. Well, and add C- Harry Giles, Giles, who's had a phenomenal preseason as well. So, so. Yeah. yeah, these guys, to me, they were lacking wing defense before they got before Trent stepped up and before they got Covington, and now they have those. And, and CJ yeah, is absolutely impossible. Possibly to... the best wing defender outside of Kawhi in the NBA. So I think I think with that, I don't see a way that they 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 lose out on that. Um, the Clippers, uh, the Clippers, I don't think they're going to have a great record, but I think that there's there's little way that they're going to fall out of the playoffs entirely. Um, the thing that I have after that is, you know, people. We're, what about uh, Zion Williamson is not going to be good unless he's somehow injured again. Right. I mean, this guy, you put him, you put him, and people can talk about the Drew Holiday for for Eric Bledsoe. But when it comes down to it, regular season wise, getting into the playoffs now, not in the playoffs are a different thing. I take Holiday over Bledsoe every single moment in the playoffs. But getting to the playoffs, they're basically the same player, and I would almost take Bledsoe a little bit more during the regular season as a disruptive defensive uh, presence. And you put Bledsoe with Stephen Adams, and all of a sudden that terrible defense under Alvin Gentry is now have Bledsoe, Stephen Adams, and Van Gundy. So they're going to play defense, and they're going to be they're going to be good because they still have shooting with Redick. They have uh, you know Brandon Ingram is, is a much better people player than uh, he made that leap, even if people don't want to believe yeah, it. At least and, offensively, yeah, he's an absolutely elite NBA scorer now. Yeah. So you know, I have that. Even that, with with all of that, that I just what I just said, that still puts them at seven or eight, depending on how yeah. you want to view the Clippers. Um, but Golden State, you just look top to down, top down. Well, and you I mean mentioned just, Dallas. Well, no, I told I did Dallas at four. Oh, did you? Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Dallas at four, and I think between every from between the Nuggets, Jazz, and the Mavericks, I think 
any one of those teams could be the second spot. Uh, I have them all basically the same in my ranking going in. I think the Lakers are going to run away with it because they're not going to need. I mean, you have the uh, Schroeder and and Harrell pick and roll, and people are complaining. Oh, we just shouldn't have Schroeder starting, and you know he should know his place. It's like, yeah, he can start and be the first person to the bench, and then the first one back off and run that pick and roll. And what's so difficult about a rotation? Like people need yeah. to chill out. Um, so I think that'll be fine. I think Phoenix. I think Chris Paul is actually a negative for them when it comes down to regular season overall thing. If you look at his numbers last year, well, and this, I'd rather have Ricky. Yeah, this I, I think that, Ricky absolutely kind of got the shaft in Phoenix the way they shipped him out yeah. because he was as much a part of them their season last year as anything. Totally, I totally agree. And and his his ability to to play off ball and not care where that is just not something that Chris Paul is willing to do, even though he was, you know, we've seen a little bit more last year. His usage was down a little bit, but his effective uh, his actual, uh, you know, um, win shares per 48 and his value of replacement, all those things he, was not a great season. I mean, it, it's, a, uh, it's kind of absurd to look at the Thunder's success last year and say, oh, it's because Chris Paul found his youth again. Chris Paul played well. I'm not saying he didn't play well, but he didn't play anywhere nearly the, the level that he played with Houston before that. And the reality of that was that G- Gallinari is criminally underrated. Uh, SKJ, or show, uh Gildress Alexander, or whatever, I'm having trouble speaking. He, he uh, was was wonderful. They had a good defense, and 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 Schroeder was a, was a baller. Um, so yeah, Paul was good. But if you bring him, you put him on the on the Suns, and automatically assume that they're going to be this amazing team while taking the ball out of Booker's hands so much. Uh, I don't I don't really see that being an automatic win, especially because Kelly Oubre is a good player too, and they just like shipped him out. Yeah, and yeah, and he's looking. I would say that's the one thing that you might have overlooked in, in Golden State, although he's more of a complimentary player. But yeah, I don't I don't know if taking the ball out of uh his hands, I think it'll actually be a little better for Aiton, uh, because Chris Paul's probably looking to pass a little more out of the pick and roll than uh, uh Booker is. But yeah, I don't know if that I, I think that's a short term possible gain, long term loss and the the beneficiary of that is really Minnesota, who gets a guy back that was kind of the core of their franchise for years, and um, they love there. Uh, it's going to be yeah. interesting to see how that shakes out, and if he can kind of activate Cat, uh, even though that team has a lot of weird off-season stuff swirling around them, and uh, a lot of kind of island of misfit toys with... Uh, with a the yeah. collection of guys they have there, um, I actually. Sorry, go ahead. There, there. I only I have them as only better than the Thunder in the West. The yeah. the, the Wolves. They yeah. don't play defense. Yeah, they don't, and that's a huge problem. And they have too many guys that need the ball. Um, yeah. You know, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, Malik Beasley, and then now they have Jared Culver as well, who was their first round pick the year before. It's like. They have too many guys that are score first players and don't defend, like you said. And they literally just cut their best defender, probably, which is a little insane. Um, I I don't. They they're gonna lose a lot of games, one thirty to one twenty. Yeah, I mean, I like their talent. I just it needs to be rearranged. I think it's yeah. a, just one of those situations where they have an, uh, a possibility of some. 
couple trades and all of a sudden their team makes a lot of sense and they're winning. But the team that I, that I, uh, I think should be mentioned a little bit is, uh, you know, Memphis, the Grizzlies are, I have them right above Phoenix and Golden State. Uh, wow. Jaw looks amazing. And oh, yeah, they played over last year's. Last year, they definitely played over their head, but they are another year older. They have a lot of uh, smart players who know their roles, and that kid is absolutely unstoppable getting into the lane. Like, he is what, when people talk, oh, Sexton can get by anybody. No, no, that no. Morant actually can get by anybody he wants. And, yeah, if he and can, elevate over anyone he wants. It's, it's so much fun to watch him. And so, if you yeah. know, Jaron Jackson well, I combine is... combine that with, with the geometry stuff to the next level that you were talking about with Garland. Yeah, yeah. He he leans, he has, you know, he's another guy. He's, he's very thin, but he uses leverage really, really well. He gets his body, he does have that body lean. He gets through places. A lot of times he looks like he's launching himself horizontally. I don't quite understand how it works, but he's, he's doing some important things, and his shots looked already better in the preseason. So I think if he has the explosion that I'm expecting, I think he's got a, you know, a real good chance of getting into that play-in and seeing what they do. Yeah, Even and I, the, I would, sorry, go West. ahead. No, that's it. Oh, I was just going to say, um, and they are absolutely deep as hell because they've drafted really well, developed players really well. I mean, you've got guy, you've got Jaron Jackson Jr., you've got the guy that I thought the Cavs should have taken, um, you know, Brandon Clark. Uh, you've got Desmond yeah. Bain this last year. You've got Justice Winslow, who was on a play, who was the best player on a borderline playoff Miami team, is their backup point guard. I mean, it's just yeah, good at back at point guard. And, they, and, you know, to be honest, even Grayson Allen has really been a pretty solid young player. Yeah. They've got Gorgie Dang, who is actually one of the more underrated center players in the league as just a guy that and he's their backup. And that's a guy yeah. who is a really solid player, you know, a high has the ability to be above average level starter in the NBA. So. It, it's, yeah. yeah, they're loaded. I like the West is just Since absolutely stacked. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's basically the West. I got you know the Thunder bringing up the rear. I think Houston. Who knows what's going to happen with them? If they get a hundred percent health, then they probably have a shot. If they, I don't see that happening. Uh, you know, I would like to see Cousins and Wall both play healthily and see what happens with Harden. But until I see anything beyond that, I got them at the bottom. But uh, the Spurs, they got to do something. That uh, you know they're, they're, they have some pretty good young talent, but there's just the numbers game is too much for them. I think. So should we move out? out east? Yeah, I, I I'll be interested to see how Denny of DJ goes out there. And honestly, I don't understand why they and maybe it's because nobody wants them, but why they aren't shopping uh, their older players a little bit more. But I think uh, Pop probably wants to see if they have a chance to be competitive this year and kind of go from there. So. Which I don't think they do. Yeah, they could. Be. I, I think they'll be competitive in the 30s, you yeah. know, win wise. But I think they'll play every night. But yeah, yeah, and I I think they'll be a pain in the butt for some teams. But yeah, out east, um, you know, I think you and I probably both have the Cavs in the bottom. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I have I a hard not. time thinking that the Cavs are going to be anything other than the bottom of the NBA. Um, maybe above the Knicks, who I think looked a lot better the last game than they did. And, and I think just in terms of coaching and Thibodeau's insane competitiveness will get them more games than the Cavs will get in the wing column because 
if there's one thing Tom Thibodeau hates more than anything, it's losing. I mean, you saw that. I don't know if you read my live thread of the Cavs blowout loss, but it was basically anytime anything good happened for the Cavs, whether they were up 40 or not, Tibbs called the timeout to correct it immediately. So that's just who he is. And I don't think I I think it'll actually be good for the Knicks uh, and the fans, because part of the problem with the Knicks and their fans is who the coach was and who the fans were have been incompatible for the last several years. Um, and hopefully Tibbs has enough gravitas to, um, you know, bridge that gap. And, you know, New York fans are going to appreciate somebody who only thing he wants to do is win and doesn't care how he gets there. Um, but they're not very talented. You know, Kevin Knox looked good. Obi Toppin, Dean Wade was taking him in one-on-ones. <laughs> you know, you know, I would love to be, you know, Toppin is what Stoudemire was when he was already toasted, only with more hops, right? So, I mean, like, he's he looks like Stoudemire when he dunks. That's about the thing. He doesn't have anywhere near that same uh, overall four game on the offensive end, but he's going to be a pretty good offensive player, but his defense yeah. is rough. Yeah. Mitchell Robinson, however, is a defensive menace. If they actually oh, play yeah. the kid and they don't, they don't take him out all the time and they give him the run and he doesn't, you know, stays out of foul trouble a little bit. Uh, he is, he is good. Like he is legitimately oh. good. He can throw anyone uh, in the NBA thing, in the basket. It's, it's amazing. I mean, that, he is, his quick twitch is uh, absurd. Yeah. The thing is, I just have never been an RJ Barrett believer. I think he is not a great shooter. I think he, he suffers against anybody who's close to his size. I think, you know, sometimes he has success against small guys. So it looks like, Oh wow, what a beast. But in the NBA level, anybody about six, four or more that he, he just can't do the things uh, that come easy to him. And he yeah. struggles. Uh, I expect him to be better than he was in year one, which isn't so hard because he just couldn't shoot at all. Uh, and defensively, he did, he did all right considering the team itself was a was a train wreck defensively. But I, I still have them the bottom of the league. Um, I do Most have the Cavs, the Cavs above them. Pro- yeah, yeah, probably wishful thinking with the idea that maybe the Cavs will utilize their talent because I think the talent, you know, the Cavs have more talent than the than the Knicks, like prime talent. Like the younger guys on the Knicks are more up and coming and have a shot. Uh, but nobody on the Knicks is as good as Andre Drummond, or uh, I mean, they just they're not. Andre Drummond is a legitimately all star. I don't know if anybody player. on the Knicks is as good as Kevin Love. I mean, maybe Mitchell Robinson in a vacuum, but That's, you only get six fouls. Maybe. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, quickly, they have a nice little draft coming. I liked what he was doing. Um, I think he's got some potential. Uh, I think he might be a better player than Toppin when all is said and done, which would be a disaster for them. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, but I do have also, I have the Hornets. Oh, below the, the player cast. quickly. <laughs> Sorry. No, uh, John Michael did that about five times during the game the other night. And I was like, what? Oh, the player's name is quickly. <laughs> right, right. Sorry. Uh, I'm worried. I'm worried about the the Hornets and their ability to go off a click quickly. I like Pargo. I think these, they're well coached in general. But between Ball and Hayward's uh, Hayward's injury, I mean, well, already having a broken pinky or whatever that is, I mean, that could go badly very, very quickly. Yeah, and they're um, a terrible defensive team. Like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's a bunch. I mean, basically, I have everybody from about seven through through 12 really really bunched and then cleveland charlotte new york 
uh, bunched at the bottom. You know, you could put the Hornets in the above group if you really are bullish on them. Yeah. So you have Atlanta and Detroit above them. I do have Atlanta and Detroit above. I don't have either of those teams in the playoffs. I do have okay. the Detroit barely above Atlanta to make the play in at 10. So, yeah, I'll just go quickly through the thing. I got Bucks, Raptors, 76ers, Celtics, Heat, Nets, Pacers, Wizards at 8, Orlando at 9, Detroit at 10, with Atlanta and Chicago on the uh, uh, really close to Orlando. Uh, I really like what Cole Anthony has done for the for the Magic. I think he's going to be a pretty nice uh, backup uh, point. And you know, losing DJ Augustine is not going to be quite as painful, though. Augustine is a good pick and roll player and underrated player in general. Uh, I like Patrick Williams for Chicago, but he's probably uh, not going to be immediately enough to put them into the in the race. And I don't see any reason why Atlanta is going to play defense any more than they did last year. I love yeah. Gallo, but he's not defense to him. And the the line they don't have enough guys who are two way players, and if yeah, they're going to play, think, they're all yeah. Oh, I was going to say Go Gallo ahead. is also a guy who plays better in contract years, and the long <laughs> contract may not be the greatest thing for the Hawks. Yeah. So here's one thing I want to have on on wax though, because this is something that has has been bugging me the whole time, and that <laughs> blows my mind. Is this what you emailed about the other day? About yeah, yeah. So the big ragu. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. My man, Dante DiVincenzo, he is already a better player than Bogdan Bogdanovich. Now, his usage is different. He's not a flashy guy. He's not thing. But DiVincenzo is a much superior defender, a great rebounder for his size, has a pretty good jump shot already, and is about to enter his, you know, actually develop in his third season, whereas uh, Bogdanovich is already 28 years old, and we know what he is. Right. And he's... Uh, a pretty decent offensive secondary playmaker. That's it. He's flashy, but he's a pretty decent offensive secondary playmaker who barely was able to start getting minutes over Buddy Heald, neither of whom can play a lick of defense. Right. So I think this Bucks trade, as or this the failed trade, when everybody lost their head and saying, oh, Giannis isn't going to sign with them because the trade didn't fall through. And first of all, we saw that that clearly didn't make that much of a difference to, to Giannis. But moreover, uh, they think I think they dodged a bullet because I think DiVincenzo is already better and he's going to be much better over the next two years. Uh, and this is a guy who really look at his per, per thirty six like rebounding numbers. The guy rebounds is his butt off, and he's a, a good position. He has really good rebound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think you know Connington is also you know a pretty decent play. I don't think he's going to be as good as DiVincenzo is going to be, but both of those guys Connaughton, are a solid no, player. Connaughton's terrible. Well, I mean, he's, what I'm saying, I'm talking about like a 9 or 10, 10 guy. Okay. I mean, no, I, he's I'm with not you. I, just, I, w I would say don't, although Connaughton is a, very much like Eric Bledsoe in that he's a much better regular season player than playoff. Yeah. Yeah. He can't shoot in the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, DiVincenzo played pretty well in the playoffs. I mean, he would get a lot of run. Basically, I'm just going purely just direct one versus one. He's better than Bogdanovich already. And I know, I know a lot of people are not saying that. And I'm, I'm absolutely okay and comfortable saying that's he is. He's a better player. I, I, I don't have anything. And their big three is really good. I mean, their big three is as good as any big three in the NBA. That doesn't include LeBron James. Uh, the the problem yeah. is is that LeBron James and Anthony Davis and insert almost any other player here 
is better than most teams' big threes, you know, and and yeah. and that's the biggest issue right now. But I love the Bobby Portis addition for them because uh, it gives them a guy that can, you know, they didn't have a backup center last year that could really do what Brooke Lopez does for them. Um, and, and now they have one in, in, you know, Bobby Portis who can also play the four with Lopez. So, uh, yeah. he, he can back up, uh, Giannis as well. So that's, that's a really good pickup for them. I like Bryn Forbes for them, uh, as a guy Absolutely, who can score yeah. off the bench. Um, DJ Augustine, like you said, um, you know, super underrated player. You can build an entire bench offense around DJ Augustine's ability to play pick and roll. Uh, with any big action, and and that is, and hopefully, we'll have a shot with him. What do you say? Maybe you know DJ Wilson, who's a pretty good dive man. If he finally gets some minutes, I mean, they're deep tee. They got Tory yeah. Craig too on the wing. I mean, yeah, no, they they made some nice additions. My biggest concern for them is can you know Bud take both hands from around his neck in the playoffs? <laughs> well, I think you know that's going to be. That's probably going to be on on Giannis and and Holiday, yeah, in a way that it was before. I think. Well, and now I think that's, Giannis has, Sorry, go ahead. No, go go ahead. I was going to say having Holiday as a guy that you can put the ball in his hands and a little bit be a coach on the floor during the playoffs is going to help them immensely. That guy is not Eric Bledsoe, and that guy is. George Hill is that guy, but he's not talented enough to do what he sees. And he also has also been a guy that's, you know, shine that isn't always great in the clutch. Um, but, you know, Drew Holiday has that ability to kind of do anything you need him to do at any given moment. So I, so I think that'll be really good for him. Explain to me how you're going to score on Giannis, Holiday, DiVincenzo, Middleton, and and Tory Craig. No, you're not. <laughs> you're, right. you're the only way that you're going to do that is if you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, or if the the problem with that is if you you settle on that lineup, the other way you're going to score is Bud's going to play them into the ground, or not play them into the or not play them when he should play them. Rather is is the issue, and if he doesn't shorten his rotation, and then you get these maddening rotations in the playoffs where you you've always got a wink leak on the floor that's always been the issue with bud so yeah i mean tory craig i i i like tory craig quite a bit i don't understand why people don't give him more respect he consistently is ignored in the playoffs and consistently makes a pretty decent amount of his shots and considering how much he's giving on the defensive end uh, that's a trade-off that i'm willing to deal with as long as you have the rest of the guys on the team uh with you know, a little bit more off the bounce playmaking, which you have than if you have Middleton, DiVincenzo, Holiday, and, and Giannis. So I just think that they have the ability to go all defense and switchability uh, in a way that they don't usually do. I know that Bud's a big drop guy, and I think that they they don't have to. So he's got to be smarter this upcoming season yeah. to play more, to play more, do what Nick Nurse did last season and just like playing a lot of different defensive principles and seeing what they do so you can know what to do in the playoffs. Well, I think the other thing is he needs to play Giannis at the five in the playoffs for stretches. Um, where yeah. it, it, Because 
Brooke Lopez dropping has killed their pick and roll defense for, you know, two seasons now in the playoffs. And people just know they can always exploit that. Uh, and when you're playing Nick Nurse and when you're playing, you know, Brad Stevens and uh, Eric Spolstra, maybe not Brad Stevens so much as those other two, but they're going to find a way to destroy that. And it, it'll be interesting. I mean, do you had, did you have Toronto number two? Yeah, I have the Raptors at number two. I'm I'm failing to see how they're going to be any worse, considering as much as I love Mark Gasol, uh, Aaron Baines regular season wise is going to give you basically the same thing. Right. Uh, uh, I figure, love- and Ibaka again regular season. Ibaka is not a great regular season player, and you can Though, to be fair, he did have a great season last year regular season wise. Well, he was true, he was, was also really- a contract year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Contract yeah. your Ibaka is a thing. I, I think I think the the ability, you know, without Ibaka there, you're going to see uh, Siakam a little bit more at the four and and even at the five and allow Ananobi to get more run because I think he's he's a, a huge candidate for for uh, most improved player. I've always liked Ananobi. He played with you know great force and wasn't scared as a rookie against LeBron. Um, and then he's had some injury issues over the last couple of years. But if you you see that his defensive acumen was incredible last year, and he in the bubble his offense was really coming along. So, assuming he finally stays healthy, I think that team is going to be at least as good as they were last year. Yeah, no, I'm with regular you. season wise. And, and Pascal Siakam uh, kind of had a terrible bubble. Not kind of had a terrible Indeed, bubble. It was astoundingly terrible for him. Yes. Yeah, and I, and I think. He'll bounce back. Um, OG Ananobi is, uh, they're going to give him run at the, the two big spots. I think that'll be good for them. I think Dwight Powell, which amazed me how good Dwight Powell has turned himself around from just absolutely was an afterthought off the bench. Uh, another great player. They, they just do an amazing job of just turning their players into players. So who'd you have at three? So three, I got, uh, where is it? So I got the 76ers at three. I think they have enough shooting now surrounding yeah. those two guys. And even, you know, before without the shooting, uh, those guys, when they were you all healthy, they, they still played Harden? really well. I, I wouldn't. I don't I think either, Harden. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I would say if it's straight up one-to-one, like you just literally trade Simmons for, for Harden, uh, I would probably do it then if it's literally just one-to-one but if i'm giving up any other assets i i stick with what i got and assume that i have a chance against the bucks my problem with harden is at this point he's just a giant distraction (laughs) so um and you've got to have a really good identity and really good um and, and maybe they have that with Embiid already because he is a very forceful personality and I don't think Harden's going to be able to come into Embiid's locker room and and run the locker room, which is probably good for Harden. Um, but yeah, I I wouldn't trade for Harden. The guy's got the way he lives. I feel like he's got two years left of being really useful, and then he's going to fall off a cliff. Yeah, I agree that he's going to fall off the cliff. Probably, uh, I don't think it's going to be yet. And I think it's important to remember that this is arguably the greatest offensive player on planet Earth. Uh, <laughs> You have to at least, uh, you know, truly consider what it would be. I, I think again, if it's one to one, you just sim- Simmons straight up for Harden. You, you do it. 
uh, you know, obviously with some cap stuff or whatever you have to do, but like no, you know, real big things, assets. Uh, but it's also just a lot more fun to do. I mean, I love Simmons as a player. I think he's still developing. Uh, I think they have a chance to be really good. I've never been a big Doc Rivers guy, so that is one hesitation that I do have. I don't think he's a great coach, and I think it's hilarious that the Clippers are going with another not great coach and our, and our boy Ty Lu. And all, everyone's pretending that these are going to be huge upgrades. Uh, but both of those guys are good rah-rah guys, and if your meme, your 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 main players are a little bit, you know, weak mentally, sometimes it's good to have a rah-rah coach. So or that might help. Or you know, idiosyncratic the way Kawhi is, when in different way that LeBron is. So I I think yeah. Ty Lue is not the worst coach. I mean, I I think he, Ty Lue is good at pushing people's buttons when they need to be pushed, um, and that's probably his best skill. But yeah, he's not a su- superb X's and O's guys, but he's good enough when he needs to be. Um, who who did you have it uh, for? Miami. No, I got the Celtics at four and the Heat at five. Okay, so but I I mean that's really like one A or four A and four B. Yeah, I don't see a huge difference for. I think the Celtics are going to be a little bit better regular season wise because I think a lot of what. Jimmy Butler does in the playoffs is not sustainable for the regular season. And he hasn't done that kind of stuff in the regular season. Uh, I think both teams are going to be really quite good defensively. And I think that there's a little bit more offensive firepower for the Celtics, but if you, I could easily switch those without any kind of worry. Yeah. I, I do feel like the Celtics need to be a little bigger, but regular season, they'll be fine. Um, and then Miami, I think actually, again, I don't want to say it was fluky they made the playoffs because I think they're really built for the playoffs, but they really did kind of have everything fall into place for them. And, well, I mean, it was it was the greatest stretch of Jimmy Butler's career. So, I mean, oh, we do absolutely. have to be – he's not usually that guy. I mean, he's always a big-time playoff player, but that was, no, you know, and, pound and, for pound. That's, you know. Yeah, and they – what a tragedy the way the final shook out with, um, you, you know, if uh, – Oh, who's a Dragic and um, yeah. the center for Miami? They had so many injuries by the time they got to the finals. It was like it wasn't even a fair fight. Um, if, if Dragic is healthy, the Lakers would have had trouble keeping him out of the lane because even at his age, he is so fast. He is, uh, you know, there was a few years back. I can't remember what it is, but they did the second spectrum and some of the, the, the video stuff. And Dragic was the fastest guy in the league for a few seasons in a row, which a lot of people wouldn't automatically assume. But that dude was lightning for a lot of years. And even in his, uh, he's lost probably half a step or so. And he's still, yeah, well, he gets and, wherever he wants. And he is so good at change of direction and so good at change of speed that he leverages that uh, incredibly. And yeah, the other part of them that is really good is Bam is going to be a, a really good center for them for a long time and really fits the modern NBA well. Um, and yeah, I, I, I could would, see him back in the finals again if things break the, break the way they should. But yeah, I think four or five is probably good for them. Six? I think at the start they still they still keep Turner in the smarting in the starting lineup even to, during the regular season. Go away from him in the playoffs like the, the last time, but I think uh, uh, not Turner Myers Leonard. Yeah, uh, Leonard was a pretty good, uh, nice spot starter or like that fifteen minute yeah. per game Javale McGee type star. <laughs> yeah. So six, I got the Nets. Uh, that, that I think that they're going right. to have also. 
confused stuff, but I think when they're on, they're going to be terrifying and they're going to, it's a question of whether they can get Spencer Dinwiddie and LeBert to still, you know, have their hearts in it when they watch Kyrie and, and Durant do terrible things. Yeah. Cause I like both of those players and they have a lot of talent. Uh, Torian Prince has a chance to, you know, have a nice bounce back season. Um, they have the guys, if they have the guys, if they, if, you know, they don't, you know, also I love Nash for them. I think that without Nash, I might have them even lower, but I think that they'll be able to get through the, yeah. some of the problems. What are your, what are your thoughts? No, no, I'm, I'm with you on them. Um, the only the big fear there is, you know, when is Kyrie going to get hurt again? I'm actually more um, on the Kyrie gets hurt bandwagon than KD gets hurt bandwagon because I, I think KD's was a little fluky the way he went down. And especially the second time, which, you know, one of the dumbest decisions in uh, yeah. NBA finals history. Um, made me so mad. It's <laughs> such a shame. Yeah. But, um, that being said, I think they are going to have a lot of attitude issues. They're going to have a lot of nights where they don't give a crap. Uh, you know, I'd put Jared Allen in that list of guys with uh, Dinwiddie and Levert on, you know, who are just going to get fed up with them. Um, yeah. But they have enough talent to win those games. The, the team that I think is going to fall off the map a little bit this year is the Pacers. Because I just see that being a bit of a toxic locker room with um, uh, Oladipo kind of being a diva uh, on a with a game that isn't worthy of him being a diva. He's a good player. He's not a when he's healthy and when he's making good decisions. He's not a great player, and I think he thinks he's a great player. And he was was a great player for that stretch. So it's yeah. it's got to be hard for him because he finally realized the potential in his head. He struggled for a lot of years being a good player, but not a great player. And then he really was a great player for, for that stretch. And then, yeah. you know, now it's different. But uh, I would rather have Malcolm Brogdon Bogdan than him. So, Yeah, well, that's I, I, it's hard because both of them are the same injury risk at this point. Yeah. I mean, Brogdon, uh, as much as he stayed healthy last year, I mean, uh, there have been a lot of teams who wouldn't touch Brogdon with a 10-foot pole because of his, his medicals. Uh, I love Brogdon's game. I really hope he stays healthy. I have oh, a little too. bit of a fear that he might brand Brandon Roy, this his career, and you know, one one day we look up and he's just gone, which would be such a shame. I hope that doesn't happen because he doesn't have the same kind of generative knee thing that Roy had. But uh, both of those guys, I mean, they're so fun to watch and so good, and it would be a shame if, if uh, the NBA lost him. But my, you know, I got the the Pacers still in at seven because I just think that their defense is still really quite good and. Yeah. Uh, Sabonis is a beast. That oh, guy is yeah. as strong as they come. And the more they go through him, and if they can finally find a taker for for Turner, uh, for Miles Turner, I like Turner. I think he's a decent player. But if they can find anything that uh, brings back a solid player, uh, that they got a shot. I mean, they have they have a lot of toughness that I I appreciate, and I think will translate to a lot of regular yeah, Sabonis season Sabonis being hurt in the... I, I'm not sure Miami gets past them if Sabonis isn't hurt last year. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Sabonis I mean, is that good of a player. Yeah, and he's so strong that, you know, for all these guys that uh, Adebayo kind of bowled around, I mean, you no, can't do you're that. you're not going to do that with him, and you know, very much I, I feel like, okay, I'm watching a miniature version of who his dad was. Not miniature, obviously, but because his dad was a bigger player. But yes, ages or seven two seven three. Yeah, but I mean, he just—it must have been amazing to watch him because 
his son is so skilled around the basket and so strong and has such good vision. He's he's really fun to watch play. He's the guy and a guy you Absolutely. love was on your team. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, Indy. I, I just think it falls apart for them. I think them firing McMillan was a real lame move. Um, it's also why it was. It's hard. It's hard to get a good why from from that. I think you know McMillan's had a couple times that he's been fired after pretty solid seasons, and you're just like, really? Well, yeah, and especially that one. It was like I don't know how you blame Nate McMillan for you know everybody getting hurt. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, and keeping that whole thing. Weeks- so uh, who do you got so, next? Yeah. Uh, I got the Wizards next, but very like so. Here I got the Wizards, the Magic, and the and the Pistons, uh, all very much close together. I like the Wizards' offensive firepower. I think you know Westbrook has never played with this much shooting around him. I think at any stop ever. I can't think no, of a time I, I where he had so this. Uh, and so I don't love Westbrook. I'm definitely a type of you know. In general, I think that he's a lot of. Uh, numbers no real but if the things that he can do well are surrounded by four shooters who are real shooters like beal and and uh and um uh geez you know, i know about the, the big guy Bertans. Yeah, yeah, you know, Bertans, thank you um you think that i'd have the euro guys on lock but here yeah. i am anyway so, so you know you got you got some crazy shoot even thomas Bryan, who's obviously a defensive sieve that guy can shoot and yeah. and he's going to have a lot of room that uh is going to i think lead to a lot of regular season games especially because going against the eastern conference i mean who in the Eastern is really going to stop him from getting to the hole yeah uh, there's not a lot of uh guards that are going to or wings there's a lot you know in the west most of the time they're putting big wings on him that have a pretty decent chance of just outsizing him to get in front of him in the uh, in the east you have some decent uh guards but you don't really have that wing size that they put on westbrook a lot because he didn't shoot they usually put a size on him so i actually Um, have the wizards where you have indy and and I've kind of okay. flip flopped them a little bit, but I think the Wizards are going to be much better than people re- think because I actually think it's a an even better fit than you think it is. Um, and I I actually think Beal's probably the player that Westbrook should have been playing with his entire career, a guy who yeah. can run the offense even when Westbrook's on the floor and isn't you know a total a hole the way that uh, Harden is. Um, <laughs> And and I think it it's going to be very quickly apparent they need another big um, because they're good, but they need. I I actually could see them trying to trade for Drummond, um, one of the teams that could. I don't know how the salaries shake out to make that possible, but um, he's. I think they're really good. Sorry, if you put Drummond on that team. You put. I think that they have to do everything they can to not bring anybody who can't spread the floor. Yeah. If you bring well, anybody then, who clogs the floor. Killing yourself with Westbrook. Well, and that's why I was saying I another think, guy you might see is Kevin Love. So, so I think that he's redundant. I think basically they're going to rely on on Lopez to give him some defense when they need it, and then try to outscore everybody. Because really, there's another guy like uh, people were sleeping on on Rui. Uh, Atimoro had a pretty nice season, a yeah. nice stretch when he was healthy. And I think people have totally forgotten about him when they, you know, they've talked about uh, well, Adia, a Adia and they. <laughs> Um, but I think I think there's a chance that they have you know, Moritz Wagner also. You know that's why they don't really need Love and Love's huge salary when you have well, somebody that, like Moritz Wagner. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm um, bullish on them. So who do you got next? So next, so yeah, so I've got the tight together. I, I like the magic more than a lot of people. I don't see a reason why Vooch is all of a sudden going to fall off a cliff. No, he was um, amazing last year. Yeah. If Aaron I, I, Gordon... Probably the most underrated season of anybody in the NBA was season yeah. last year. He was one of the most impactful to winning players in the NBA last year. Yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. And like we talked about DJ, I mean, Augustine is a great player, but, uh, you know, Cole Anthony, I think, has a shot to, to do some stuff off the bench. I've, I really liked what is what he's been doing. Uh, you know, theoretically, Fultz, he's looking pretty all right. I don't think he's going to be an all-NBA type player, but every time I see him, he looks better, and he's a, a pretty solid defender. And if they can just get their defense a, a tick higher, say Aaron Gordon understands a little bit more what his limitations are, but continues to hit some open shots, and they have a lot of a lot of talent. It's a bummer that they don't have um, uh, Jonathan Isaac, but it's uh, I don't think I don't think that puts them out of the race or makes them any worse than somebody like the the Hawks who don't have any defensive uh, presence at all. Yeah, and and maybe um, uh, Aaron Gordon picks up the slack a little bit and becomes the player that we kind of thought he could be. But and one of the things about Isaac getting hurt is maybe they play Gordon at the four more, where he should be most of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, who do you got next? We're, we're, we got we're the Pistons. Okay, and this is at yeah. ten. This is a 10, and so again, yeah, to, between the, the, the Magic, Pistons, and, and the Hawks, and a little bit to the Wizards, too, they, it's a toss-up for me. But I really think that the Pistons have more, they, they make more sense than people think, and they have a chance to, to be decent if Blake is in any way healthy. And, you know, yeah. East, you know, we're talking about the 10th in the East for, for you know, we're not talking at the top of the, of the of conference by any means. Um but I've liked what they've what they've been doing, and there's a chance that uh, some of these guys make sense and they and they play well. Yeah. But it's I just like them because they they play more defense than the Hawks. I mean, I just don't see the Hawks defense, so I can't put them above. Yeah, and I really, really, really liked their offseason. I mean, they they got Killian Hayes, um, who I yeah. think has a chance to be a, a good starter in this league. Um, they got uh, Sadiq Bay, who I think was the best three and D player in the draft. Um, they got Sekou Dumboya from last year coming back, and they got DeLon Wright uh, from Dallas, who was kind of miscast in Dallas, didn't play as well as maybe he should, maybe he did in Toronto, but can be a really solid player. So I actually think they have a lot of good young players. Um, and like you said, it all kind of depends on if Blake is healthy. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the, the biggest thing about Jeremy and Grant. Jeremy Grant, yeah. Yeah, that, that, uh, I think there's a chance that they have some some positional flexibility and so you know i don't think they're gonna be good they're gonna be wrong i don't think they'll be you know they're not gonna be a good team i just think that they'll be pretty solid yeah you know what's interesting they kind of feels like they're building the type of team that toronto built when you know Dwayne casey was there and you know you're, you're still seeing the dividends of that in toronto so that it looks like they're developing a decent talent pipeline totally yeah, and and I think that wraps it up with only the Bulls. Are you kind of have them at eleven? I'm assuming. Yes, I got the Hawks and then the Bulls. Oh, okay. Then yeah, 12. yeah. And we we talked about uh, the Hawks flip, a little. Yeah, the the Hawks again. Offense great, defense. How's it going to happen? I mean, Trey Young was literally the worst defender in the league last year. <laughs> uh, and the I like Patrick Williams a lot. If he can really give a lot in his first year, they have 
a lineup that makes sense. And I've always been a Zach Levine guy. I think that he is interchangeable with a lot of these guys that, you know, I don't think he's quite as good as Devin Booker, but if you were to put him in Book's situation, people would have a different idea of what Zach Levine is. The guy has all the bounce and he has a great three-pointer. And yes, he doesn't make the greatest playmaking choices in the world and his defense is not great. Uh, but that's, you know, the same could be said with a lot of team or a lot of guys who are on teams that have terrible defenses. Um, you know, you gotta be able to hide a guy a little bit, uh, who does that much on the offensive end of the floor. And if Wendell Carter can, can start and marketing can make some, some, uh, you know, after a weird year last year where both of those guys kind of poorly i think they have still a chance that they can well and they've got solid vets on that team garrett temple thad young um yeah oh uh what were you saying you you like you like thaddeus young is that is that a thing you you like him (laughs) i've always liked the player i i don't think that um I, I probably have overly valued him, but I also been the same about Sadaranski his whole career too. I I thought he was kind of criminally ra- underrated his entire career. So yeah, <laughs> so no. we'll see see how it goes for the Bulls. But I think they'll be fun to watch. Sorry, what were you saying? Yeah, I'm just saying like years ago, maybe it was probably already five or six years ago. It seemed like every single uh, every time Podcast, that you could throw in yeah. a. Thaddeus Young, you you did well. He was uh, one of the guys that we did when we did Got Buckets. That was one of the uh, you know wrap them all stars. So <laughs> him and him and Delhi and uh, oh, who's the guy out for? Oh, who's the Euro that plays in Phoenix? Sarge. Yeah, Dario. Yeah, yeah. He's he's good. That's another thing. I was taking the ball out of Sarge's hands as small ball center and giving it to Chris Ball. I don't know if that's always wonderful. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, we, we've kind of gone through the whole thing. Is your so who's your finals prediction? We won't go through the playoffs, but is it Bucks Lakers? I know it's boring, but I think this is the year that that Giannis gets through. They have enough uh, overall talent, and I don't see as much as I love Luca, and I think that's going to be fun to watch both. You know, the Nuggets and the Mavs this year. Uh, I don't see how they get past the Lakers. I mean, with Schroeder, you know, that guy is, I've always been a big fan of Schroeder. I'm found he, happy he found a, a good groove last year, and I think he's going to be just as good this, this upcoming season. The dude is slippery as they come, and uh, they have Anthony Davis and LeBron still doing LeBron stuff. So, well, and they fixed all yeah. their holes. Like, they yeah, patched that you know, team together last year, and they've they plugged the leaks. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Pat yeah, Martin is was really good last year and is not going to get as many minutes this year as he did last year. So, Pat Con- uh, not Pat Connaughton, uh, the Eagles. Kuzma. No, not Kyle Kuzma. No, I hate Kuzma. <laughs> Can't stand that guy. Um, no, now, he looks like Pat Connaughton. Um, they're second. That's the third most popular player. Um, Alex Caruso, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, if they line up all the way thing, I mean, their their worst player is probably in their in their lineup. Who's going to run is probably Quinn Cook, and they probably won't get any run. I mean, you run. got yeah, you got KCP, you got Schroeder, you got Caruso. I love Talon Horton Tucker. I love that guy. That guy is going to be uh, a solid, solid player, and uh, they 
stole him because he was chubby coming out. I mean, it's just typical that yeah. fat guy with the long arms. No, I think the like, worst hey, rotation player is going to be Wes Matthews. Yeah, which is saying something because Wes, Wes Matthews is still a solid player. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, anyway, um, anything you want to pitch or any uh, big predict anything for? Let Let's pitch. Go get your vaccine and let's get healthy and get over this stupid coronavirus. That's my pitch. Yeah, yeah. My my pitch is to uh, uh, smile through your teeth and pretend it's all going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything else to pitch other than, um, I'll, I'll pitch Hartzler Dairy Eggnog, uh, the best eggnog I've had this year. So I'm an eggnog connoisseur. So, uh, <laughs> and it shows. That's what, yeah. One of the best things in Germany, the, the egg liqueur stuff, which is basically like eggnog with the, the alcohol already mixed okay. up in there for it's. It's dope. It's good stuff. Of course, all markets are trans are, are canceled this year, so nothing can be good in 2020. But you know, take home that eggnog and get trashed at home in the <laughs> confines of your wonderful business slash home slash vacation spot slash everything else that home has become. Yeah, I I will also pitch. Uh, I I was watching Hamilton a ton, so I'll although I may pitch that on the last podcast. I think I did. So um. What was the other one that I watched the other day, and I was like, it was just so good. Oh, uh, The Mandalorian was solid. I haven't been watching a ton of TV, so, uh, and then, of course, when I'm not watching that, The Great British Baking Show is always on in my house. So. <laughs> you and Zach Lowe, apparently. Well, you know, I, I I literally am around four generations of women, my entire, <laughs> my, uh, oh, my, my wife, my kids my mother-in-law and her mom are, are all they're all in the rotation so um it we're around them all a lot they're all in our bubble so uh we watch a lot of great british baking shows <laughs> and there's worse things you know what the thing the thing i've been watching most recently is actually my girlfriend and i were watching germany's next top model with uh, heidi klum oh okay so it's basically in german i've never had a better way to work on my german than that show that is a uh, Far superior than any other German lesson that I've taken. Uh, <laughs> some good stuff. And uh, the, the I got to say, the Hamilton. If you want to break uh, some young kids' brains, ask Hamilton which aspect of it is a cultural appropriation, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I don't have anything else to add other than let's have an awesome twenty twenty one. And uh, it will be interesting to see how it shakes out for the Cavs and uh, and, and go Cavs. Please sit in and garland together all the time. Yep, yeah. go Cavs. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write. 
so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.